Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. We're going to go to um, Ephesians. I just want you to stay there. We're not going to go there right away, but I have a word from the Lord this morning burning on my heart. So if I get running around here, don't be afraid. Um, and don't run. I feel, I just feel a strength this morning on this word. Um, I've never preached it here. Um, I haven't preached this in several years, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 10 through 17. When you're there, um, say amen. And if you have, uh, of course, you can use your iPad, your iPhone, and all that good stuff, but I believe there's something about just flipping through the pages. If anyone ever needs a Bible, you come see me. We'll make sure that you get one. I really believe that there's something special about reading the Word of God along with me, be it on your iPhone or iPad or your old-fashioned Bible like me. Amen. You know, when I think about the body of Christ, um, and I think where we're at spiritually in our government, in our nation, it's pretty evident to me that the enemy is at work. Um, there's several different types of believers. Now, when you talk about the enemy, uh, people tend to get a little afraid. Me being uh, coming from a deliverance ministry, it's one of my veins that I really like to touch on. But since the inception of this church, I haven't really talked too much or touched on this particular subject. But I will say, not by far, it's the most important. Salvation is the most important message. Somebody say amen to that. Say salvation is the most important. But secondly, understanding what we're up against is almost just as important because it can affect salvation. And understanding your enemy and understanding how to counterattack him when he comes into your life and opposes you is critical if we're going to walk in victory. Because it's one thing to be saved and it's a whole other thing to walk in victory. <laughs> can somebody say amen to that? I know a lot of saved people who live very tormented lives. I know a whole lot of saved people who can quote the Bible from front to back, but who are living bound. And so I want to teach a message this morning on how to counterattack the enemy when he comes in. Amen? When I think about the body of Christ at large, when we touch on this subject, there are lots of people who shy away from it for many, many reasons because it is indeed a touchy subject. You have a few different groups of people, and one of the groups, and this may be you, it may be not, and I actually have fallen into one of these particular groups myself, if I can be quite honest. But that first group is that believer who knows about the enemy's activities. They're aware of the enemy. They are aware that there is a fight going on in the heavenlies, but they are too afraid to engage. I wrote it like this. People who know the enemy is at work but are afraid to give any thought to it out of fear. That's one bracket of people. They're aware but they don't want to engage out of fear of attracting the enemy. Amen? Because they don't want to fight. That second group of people, whether you believe it or not, this is very much alive in the church of Jesus Christ today, unfortunately. And this is the person who doesn't believe that Satan still exists and there is no eternal hell. I know of a church right now, one of the founders of the Pentecostal movements, I won't mention his name for the sake of honor, who preaches a message that there is no eternal damnation, that there is no punishment of sin. That third bracket of people, and I probably have fallen susceptible 
to this, especially in my early Christian walk due to my upbringing, but that person who demonizes everything, (laughs) if he gets a flat tire or she gets a flat tire, the devil sent the nail. If they get a cough, the devil's behind it. If they are struggling in their finances, certainly it's a satanic attack. And the devil has went out of his way to make your life miserable. Now, I want to encourage everybody this morning not to fall in any one of those brackets. And I'm preaching to myself. And I have gotten better, I must say. Right, honey? Yes. (laughs) Thank God for wives. I want to encourage everyone not to fall in any of those three brackets because each, each one of those three are heresy, meaning it's not totally right biblically. That first person who's afraid knows the enemies at work but doesn't want to address them, never really finds victory because you can't conquer what you can't confront. That second person who doesn't believe in satanic forces or hell falls risk to heresy. Amen? To me, this is the absolute greatest deception in the church because to deny that there is an eternal hell or eternal damnation is to to deny the very God of the Bible, to deny that there's not eternal punishment creates a life of loose living. There's no fear of the Lord. And that third person, that person who demonizes everything, falls into the trap of not really seeing the good in anything at all, including people. And so let's not fall in any of those brackets. As a matter of fact, I want to suggest to myself and to you guys to let's fall in the fourth bracket that I had not mentioned. Let's be a people who not, we don't go out and look for a fight, but when the fight comes, we aggressively push back. I want you to nudge kind of your neighbor a little bit. Now, don't hit them too hard. They might be sensitive. But I want you to just push them a little bit and say, when the enemy comes, I want you to push back. Look at the other one. If nobody's next to you, just kind of do it again to that same neighbor or reach around to the other neighbor and kind of push them a little bit and say, push back. I love Ephesians 6 chapter, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6 verse 10 through 17. And it says this. Read it with me. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Yep, it said devil. Don't run. Don't run. We mentioned the enemy in here. The wiles of the devil means the onslaught or deceptive words that the enemy whispers. I looked up that word wiles this morning. So it says you got to dress up if you're going to be able to stand. That means if you don't put on this armor, you're not going to be able to stand. And as we're seeing everything happening in our government, in our homes, in marriages, in people's bodies with sickness and disease, we can't discount the fact that we're at, we're at war here. We're in a battle against good and against evil, heaven and hell, light and darkness. So Ephesians encourages us to put on the full armor that you might be able to stand because there's a possibility we won't be able to stand if we're not dressed properly spiritually. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, somebody say therefore, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in this evil day and having done all to stand, therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, above all taking 
of the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Point number one, first of all, recognize that there is a spiritual battle. Recognize the spiritual battle. Recognize it for what it is. If you think everything that's happened in your life is just by happenstance, that you'll never fight back. If you think that sickness is not of the enemy, and I know this is controversial, I get it. But if you don't realize, let me ask you a question before I get stones thrown at me. Is there sickness in heaven? Is there sickness in heaven? So is sickness God's perfect will? It does it say in the Bible that thy kingdom come and thy will be done where? On as it is in heaven. So sickness is not of the Lord. Have we established that? So if you don't realize that you're in a battle and everything that doesn't look like God shouldn't be there, you'll never stand up and fight against it. You will tolerate the enemy in your life. You'll tolerate sickness. You'll tolerate dysfunction. You'll tolerate addiction. You'll tolerate propensities because you think it's just by happenstance. So first of all, recognize that you're in a spiritual battle. Amen? Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. This person who avoids the fact that there is a fight will never achieve a level of victory that the Lord desires for them to achieve because they refuse to fight back. And if you refuse to fight when the enemy comes in like a flood, you will not walk in victory. Amen? And God calls each and every one of his children to walk in victory because we're children of God. And if that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead resides in your mortal body, sickness should not be able to live there. Propensities to sin should not be able to defeat you. When the enemy comes in like a flood, he needs to run because you're a child of God. You have a big brother and his name is Jesus. Standing behind your back, ready to go to war at your command. And you have angels that have been sent from heaven to help you and accompany you in every area of your life so that you can walk in the victory that God would have you to walk out. Amen? Ignorance isn't bliss. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says this. For we are not to be ignorant. Somebody say ignorant. We cannot be ignorant of his devices. We can't be ignorant. Look at somebody and say, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of his devices. Don't be spiritually ignorant. I get a chance to meet, well, I used to get, get a chance to meet when I was in sales to meet a lot of wealthy people that were worth millions and millions of dollars. Really smart people. People who could buy you a house without even batting an eye. I've sat down recently with a guy who's worth over, I think it was 18, 20 million dollars, sitting on his front porch. His house wasn't a house. It was, I don't even know if it was an estate. It was about two or three blocks long. Literally. But very ignorant spiritually. You can have all the money in the world, but let me tell you, this is like when you play Monopoly. You can win as many houses as you want and get a mansion on boardwalk, but after this game is over of life, you got to put that thing back in the box, and it can't go with you. So what lasts is having an uh, eternal perspective and be spiritually awake to what's happening in the earth because it affects eternity. It affects your quality of life. And God's desire is for his will to be done and his kingdom to come and to be established here on earth as it is 
in heaven. So ignorance is not bliss. Everybody say ignorance is not bliss. We're not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. I love, and I watched this video. Don't laugh at me. I'm, I'm a little old school. I was, I was born in the 80s, I, and I went on the theme of the old G.I. Joe. How many remember the old G.I. Joe theme? Knowing is half the battle. <laughs> Knowing is half the battle. So being aware and knowing and not being ignorant spiritually on how, and I, mean, I don't mean just about blessing because there's one, uh, it's one thing to be uh, awakened spiritually about finances. It's one thing to be awakened about Jesus, but it's a whole other thing to be awakened on what's happening in the activities of heaven spiritually. Amen? If we're gonna be, if we're gonna walk in victory. So knowing is half the battle. Satan's, Satan's greatest weapon of, de of deception is this. And I was taught this, Satan's greatest weapon is deception. Say deception. But his power is fear. His power is fear. Think about that time when you woke up in the middle of the night and felt paralyzed by fear. Just a dream? Maybe. Maybe. But perhaps there's something happening in the heavenlies that we're not so aware of or awakened to. Perhaps there is that battle against good and evil. Perhaps God is calling you to step up your game. Perhaps it is the enemy who's at work at your finance. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I do know this, that God calls us all to be keenly aware on how to fight back and to push back so that we can walk in absolute victory in every area of your life. Amen? You know, when the enemy can persuade you that the activity of the powers of darkness are at, not at work, he already has a foothold. He already has a foothold. Because he can, if he can get you to believe that he's not at work in some form or fashion in the earth, he knows you won't fight back. Amen? And if you don't fight, you can't win. And if you, can't, if you don't confront it, you won't conquer it. First Peter uh, chapter 4 says this, ver, I'm sorry, four, uh, verse 12 through 13 says, Beloved, do not think it strange. You can go there with me if you want. If not, it's up on the screen. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery dart. Don't think it's weird that this fiery trial is trying you as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings so that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Point number two. You better expect a fight. If you're a child of God, expect a fight. We're in a spiritual battle. And if you are aware of that, you should also be aware that you will ultimately run into a fight at some point in your walk with the Lord. Now, you shouldn't always be in a fight. But you will come to a place where you will have a fight. And if you're a child of God, and a Christian, you know, I don't get when Christians, uh, they, they come to know the Lord and then they get frustrated because they find themselves in a battle. I've never really understood that because as a child of God, you should really expect it to come because whether you wanted to be engaged in this battle and initiated in this battle, when you said yes to Jesus and made him your savior, you walked on to the battlefield. You said yes without really knowing you said yes. When I was about halfway being saved, I guess it was about five, 10 years ago. I don't know what it was. And I came to the, I'm like, Lord, is this really what I got myself into? Because sometimes when you say yes to Jesus, you don't really know what you're saying yes to. You said yes to heaven, but you didn't really understand what you said yes to. 
You said yes to a battle. You said yes to a fight. Amen? So as a Christian, whether you wanted to be initiated or not, you entered a battle. Amen? And when you feel a fight, I want you to know that this is a sure sign that you're on track. When you feel the enemy attacking certain areas of your life, whatever that is, that could be your marriage. You could be struggling with an addiction this morning. You may be struggling somewhere in your finances. You may be struggling with something mentally. I don't know what it is, but at, at, at some point in your life, you, you will feel that there's a battle. You will feel the heat is on, and you will know this is not from the Lord. Amen? And, and when you feel that, it's a sure sign that you're on track. Otherwise, the enemy does not mess with people who are not on track. Do you remember when you were out in the world? Does anybody remember? Oh, you all have been saved your whole lives. I remember. Jordan certainly remembers. Do you remember how when you got saved and you thought, hey, when I was out in the world, I didn't struggle this much. It was easier when I was in the world. Has anybody ever had that thought besides me? But when I said yes to Jesus, all hell broke loose. But can I encourage you that your best day as an unbeliever is not as good as your worst day as a Christian? Amen? But you can expect a fight. And when you say yes to Jesus, you invite sometimes the onslaughts of the powers of darkness. But you can walk in victory. I want you to nudge somebody and say, you can walk in victory. In my mind, to be a Christian and to not expect opposition is foolish. When you stepped onto this battlefield, there are going to be times where you're going to receive bullets spiritually. Where the enemy is going to come in like a flood and attack. He could attack your marriage. He could attack your physical body. There's all types of attacks. Now, I don't fully understand, even as a pastor, even as a believer and a teacher, I do not always fully understand why it seems that the enemy is gaining headway at times. But I can only see through the times of my life, through those peaks and those valleys, where the Lord taught me in those valleys and taught me how to fight in those valleys so that I can experience the mountaintops. Amen? And the Lord teaches you in those valleys. He teaches you to fight the enemy. And he teaches you how to fight back effectively. And if we expect to fight, like point number two says, we should prepare for one. In Ephesians 6, that's exactly what it says to do. It says, put on the whole armor of God. In other words, he's saying, get ready. Get ready for a battle. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Raise up the sword of the spirit. And by the way, there is another, uh, no piece of armor in there other than the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that is an opposing weapon. Everything else is defensive. This is your offensive weapon. This is how we win against the enemy. That's why the Bible says don't be ignorant of Satan. And the way to not be ignorant is to educate yourself in God's word so that you can do all and have done all to stand when he comes. Amen? And that's through reading the word of God and educating yourself spiritually with his word. In Proverbs 18, uh, verse 21, it says this, speaking of the word of God, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I want you to say, I have power in my tongue. Now, here's the thing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he who loves it will eat of its fruit. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. If you realize how much power your words had, you would be a whole lot more choicy with your words. Married couples. Where are my married couples at? Be careful with your words. Amen? Because your words 
have the power to create life and death. You are spirit, soul, and body. You ever realize that it's not soul, body, spirit? Spirit, soul, and body. You are created in the likeness of God. Genesis 1:26. And man was made, man and woman was made in God's image. We are spirit beings first. And your words have power. Have you ever seen someone in their life who always speaks negatively and negative things continue to happen? I'm sick. And if they're not sick, their family member's dying. And if their family's not, not someone's not dying in their family, their, t- their car's broke down. If their car's not broke down, they can't pay their bills. It's not because God doesn't love them, is they don't understand Proverbs 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And your words have the power to create positive things in your life or negative things. It's the, simply the way that God made it because we're spirit first, then soul in a body that have a mouth and are able to create Life or speak death. Amen? When Jesus went through these major temptations, and he went through three major ones in the wilderness, and you can read it for yourself, I believe it, is John chapter, is it four? Is it four? John chapter four. He went through the three temptations, and the enemy comes to him and says, turn these stones into bread. Does everybody remember that? Then he took him on the pinnacle of the mountain and he says, hey, I'll give you all these worlds and their kingdoms if you bow down and worship me. This is Satan talking to Jesus. And then he tells Jesus to jump off the pinnacle and he says, hey, jump down so everybody can see you that you're God because the angels will bear you up least you dash your foot against a stone. What did Jesus use as a weapon against the enemy? He used his words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And here's the key. Don't use your words. Use God's word. I, I hear a lot of people speaking positivity, and, and, I, and I believe in being positive and speaking life. And I believe in that. But the most powerful word is not your word, my friend. The most powerful word that you can speak is the word of God. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, don't speak your word. Speak his word. And if you're going to speak his word, you must know his word. And this is where you have to read the Bible for yourself. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. But this is how we can stand against the onslaughts of the enemy and walk in absolute victory in every area of our lives is by knowing and speaking. Say knowing, knowing and speaking the word of God. That's how we'll achieve ultimate victory over the enemy. Is everybody awake this morning? We okay? We gotta speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. I, I, I think the nursery song is really cute. And of course, having a, a newborn baby, she's nine months old. Everybody say, hi, Zoe. Zoe. She just has me wrapped. You pray for me. There's these nursery songs that I listen to and I have listened to a lot lately, especially with her keeping her entertained. And um, there's this one nursery song that says, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones and words will never hurt me. Does everybody remember that? That song is foolish because it's not true. <laughs> words have life and death. They carry power in them. So be careful what you say because words do hurt. Words can build up a marriage or relationship. Words can break them down. Words can help pave the way of your destiny by speaking life to it. I'm going to achieve everything that God's called me to. Or you can speak death to it. Nothing ever ever works out well for me. I'm never going to make it. They have the power to build a strong marriage or to break one down. 
They have power to speak life over a sick body and to bring healing about by the Spirit of God, or it has the power to keep you sick. Words are very, very powerful. Say words are powerful. Heaven and earth move at the sound of your words. It moves at the sound of your words. This may be controversial, but this is in the word of God. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as his word in his mouth. God has, why do you think Jesus came? He came to model, not to just deliver you from something. He came to model what we were to be and to do and to become. And that was to speak like children of God. I see a whole lot of people, Christians, I get around them and I ask them if they're a believer. But but the more you spend time with them and listen to them, you begin to wonder about their theology because they're not very positive people generally. And so we have to be careful with our tongues. And if we want to see a better quality of life, and not only that, but to walk in power and walk in victory every area of our lives, we must be careful of our tongues. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6 says this. I'm going to go just a tad bit longer. Is that okay, guys? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6, it says this, and I love this. Read it with me. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That word carnal means fleshly, flesh. Our war is not against flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, here's, what I, here's why I wanted to read this scripture. Watch this. Bringing every thought, say every thought, bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Point number four, push back in your mind. Push back in your mind. Somebody, push, somebody say push back in your mind. So we got push back with your words. Now we have push back with your mind. Push back with your mind. Have you ever taken the time to think about what you think about? Everybody look at me. Have you taken time to think about what you think about? I've heard it said like this. It's going to sound like twisted words, but I'm going to show you how the enemy works. Is everybody ready? He's going to be really mad at me, so I'm going to be on guard today, but I'm going to tell you a secret. There is a difference between evil thoughts and thoughts of evil. His greatest trickery is to get you to think that everything that you think is what you think. That you came up with it yourself. Why do you think people are, quote unquote, coming out of the closet and all these different things that are happening? I know this is very controversial. Or people who struggle with certain propensities of sin. Because if you think about it long enough, the enemy will get you to think that that's you. Like, that's, that's how I really feel. That's me. He tries to get you to take ownership of the thought because he knows if he can get you to take ownership of the thought, he can get you to act it out. And there is different, there's thoughts of evil and then there's evil thoughts. Thoughts of evil are e- thoughts that just pass through my mind. But evil thoughts are things that we meditate on. Do you see the difference? It sounds like a twisting of words, but it's one thing for the enemy to pass an image through your head or pass a a, a deceitful thought, and there's a difference between you sitting and meditating and thinking on it. 
Where he grabs the foothold and latches is when you begin to think on evil thoughts and meditate on evil thoughts. Now, here's what I want everybody to do this week. Everybody listening? I want you to say amen if you're listening. Develop an image of a trash can in your mind. I know this sounds funny. This is what I do. When a foolish thought comes in my mind, a deceitful thought, a defeating thought, a thought of evil, an image, whatever it might be, immediately I waste no time and I put it in that trash can. Immediately, I waste no time. You give no, the Bible says give no place to the devil. Give no place. Give no de, de, defeated thought to him. Give nothing to the enemy. Don't give him an inch or he'll take a yard. You give him a yard, he gives a mile. But what he'll try to get you to do is meditate on things that he inspires or puts in your head. The Bible says that he's the prince and power of the air. That means he moves to airwaves and, and, and moves through imagery. Why do you think he's, social media is so powerful? Music is so powerful. Things that you listened to back in the 70s, you still can remember the lyrics. <laughs> Sound waves. That's how he works. He works through thought. Amen? So develop a trash can in your mind. And anytime the enemy comes, just step on. You remember, you know, do you have those kind of trash cans where you step on it and the lid pops up? Develop that image in your mind. And anytime a thought that is outside of God's will for your life, a bad image, a defeating thought, I want you to put it in the trash can this week. Amen? Amen. And that's how you push back with your thoughts. The mind is the area where the enemy attacks by far the most. Amen? And you have to push back. So we push back with our words. We push back in our thought life. And those are the two most powerful tools that God has ever given you. Because we spend the most time doing both both of those things. And number one, we're created spirit first. So our words. So use your words, his word, as a weapon against the enemy. But also push back in your thoughts. I felt today, and here's why I feel this word is for today. I feel that there are someone's plural, there are some ones in this room that are feeling attacked in many different areas of their lives. Many different areas that are represented here. And usually it's a sure sign that you're on track. But we, we can't demonize everything, but at some point you have to see things for what they are. And here's where I begin to see things for what they are is I had certain patterns in my early childhood. Now it's one thing for one thing to happen, but when certain things happen again and again and again and again, you have to recognize them for what they are. Are there certain areas of your life where you still keep finding yourself stuck in? Are there certain propensities or temptations that you've battled your whole life? Maybe it started in childhood. And usually it does. We have an enemy who studies us. I don't want to put fear into anyone. I'm going to encourage you in just a moment because you have to know that you are a child of the Most High God. I heard Smith Wigglesworth, and I'm going to close after this. I heard Smith Wigglesworth was walking to a train. This was before they had cars. And a little dog followed him all the way to the, the train station. And the whole time, go back home. This is what he'd say. Go back home. Go back home. The dog wouldn't listen. He finally gets to the train station and says, 
go back home. And that dog ran home. And he, 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 seen, he, he, he used a correlation there because that's how we sometimes treat the enemy. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. Now, I'm not saying to be that demonizing person or to always be aggressive, but know when to get aggressive. And if, if there are struggles in your life that you've been battling with since childhood, push back. Push back. Say push back. If there are propensities, things that you've struggled with, thoughts of defeat in your mind, push back against the enemy. If you feel that you haven't been able to, to, to gain certain types of breakthroughs in your life because of whatever, and every time you make a few steps ahead, you hit the roadblock, push back. If there are prayers that have been delayed for years that you've been praying about, I want to encourage you to push back. If you've waken up in the middle of the night and you found, how many, I want to know by show of hands, how many has that happened to when I mentioned that? How many have ever woken up in the middle of the night and not being able to speak and you had to say the name Jesus in your mind? I want to see. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Push back. Push back. Because we have the victory. And if you are a child of the most high God and that same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave, I'm believing that this week there's going to be major testimonies, people changing their, the way that they're speaking and changing the way that they're thinking. You will gain victory because there is something God doesn't do, but he's entrusted you to do it. I want to show you guys, um, I guess I call it a stage prop. I want Sean to kind of make his way up here. I want to give you, I want to give you a picture this week. I want to give you a picture. And some of you are just like this. I'm going to give you a natural picture of what happens spiritually. I know I'm 50 years old and God hasn't done it yet. But God is faithful and he'll complete what he started. I know I've struggled with that addiction for years. But God is my deliverer. I know I've been a tither for 10 years and God hasn't given me breakthrough in my finances. But I know that God is faithful. And he's going to provide for me. I know my marriage has been suffering. I know I've been praying and God hasn't answered my prayers. But God is going to deal with my husband. God's going to deal with my wife. And we're going to see major breakthrough. And I'm tired of you tormenting me every single day and speaking death over my life and death over my destiny. I'm sick of this. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me is going to be able to prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, God will condemn I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I'm filled with the Spirit of God. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead reigns in my mortal body. So in the name of Jesus Christ, leave in the name of Jesus and never come back. I place a bloodline of Jesus Christ over my life and around my family and around my finances and around my mind. And I bind my tongue to Jesus and I declare that the enemy will no longer have any place in my life. 
but I have the victory. Would you stand with me? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.